You're listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. Jubilee Montreal is a Christian church located in downtown Montreal that exists to share the good news as a spiritual family for holistic transformation. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jblmontreal.org. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So the, the, verse, the first verse, actually number three there, he's, and, and all of these, he's actually quoting Jesus when in in his other book, John, um, chapter 14, verse 15, his, Jesus it says himself, if you love me, keep my commands. So this is not something John is making up. It's not a theory he came up with or a technique or a method that he's um, telling the church, you must do this. Uh, it's actually what he's repeating what he heard Jesus tell them directly. Um, and just uh, also as a reminder of what the point of this this letter is. It is a letter uh, to a church, and um, the point of the of the whole letter is to help the church, the, the people who have chosen to follow Jesus, to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah, as the way, as the Son of God, as the way to re- reconnect with God, um, to help them discern between the true message of Jesus and some other message that is being kind of talked about and passed on from others who claim that this is the way of Jesus, this is the message of Jesus, but it is not quite right. It actually is pretty, it's very different and it doesn't lead to eternal life with God. It's, it's, it's a lie. And so we'll just read this in that context, like how to discern uh, the real message of Jesus and how do you, how do you know if you have um, that relationship with God? And so f- what John is saying here, it seems like the point he's making is that following God's command is evidence of a love relationship with God. Um, why? Because the command is to love. Right? Like we're coming back to the words. This is all has to do with the words of Jesus. It was Jesus who, say, who said, um, this is the new command. It is to love one another as I have loved you. So he's, um, that's the first observ- observation there. Is this, it's John kind of making the point back on Jesus' words. And then the second part I had a lot of trouble with because I personally didn't like how he went, like, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, but it is new. So what are you saying? <laughs> but it doesn't really matter. Um, it is, it is, uh, it's not the point. The point is not whether the command is new or old. Uh, the, the point is what the command is. And again, it goes back to his other book in John 13, 34, and 35. He says, uh, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So is it old or is it new? It's both old and new. In the, the Old Testament, the, the commands that were given were more specific. I guess more, they seem more like 
things you can check bo boxes off of, you know? Um, whereas this is a little bit, like when Jesus came, he replaced all that with actually uh, uh, harder things to accomplish or to know, how, are you doing it or are you not? Um, uh, at that time, the Pharisees would, you know, argue with Jesus all the time because the Pharisees would say, we are fulfilling the law. Like, look at the law of Moses. I've done it all. I can check all the boxes. Therefore, I have a relationship with God. And who are you? Why are you saying that you come from God? Prove it kind of thing. And Jesus came and said, well, right. Jesus said, um, Moses, through Moses, God said, do not kill. But I'm telling you, even if you're angry with somebody, that is already murder. And then I'm kind of like, oh, shockers, like we've been <laughs> angry at someone. So it is harder. And like when Jesus came, it became harder to uh, feel like anyone could um, live in, in perfect relationship with God because if it was based on the law, nobody was qualified. Everyone had fallen short of that. Everyone had at some point uh, broken the law. So is it both, is it, it's both old and new, because at the end, the point of the law of Moses was love anyway. It was more like, what does love look like? Uh, worked out in everyday life at that time, for that context. Uh, what matters is that um, the command is about love, and it is perfectly seen in Jesus, and it should be seen in us if we are in connection with him, in connection with God. So again, the point is when we are in right connection, right relationship, we're here we'll talk about uh, what, it, what Christianity really is, is about being in relationship with God and how we know if we are in right relationship with God is if we, what John is saying is one of the ways you know is if you are, if you live in um, a life of love, uh, if you love your brothers and sisters, um, just like Jesus did. So if when we do that, um, love is complete in us, just like love was complete in Jesus. That's hard. Um, it's hard to, ful to fulfill, but it's easy when you think about how do you discern if someone, or you're starting with yourself, uh, is in relationship with God, therefore what the message they're telling you is it coming from God. If the, the standard, the measurement is how they love others, especially those closer, brothers and sisters means uh, other, um, other people who are, have also acknowledged Jesus and followed him and surrendered lives to him and are living in the way, striving to live in the way of Jesus, right? Uh, those, meaning those closest to you. And it is always hard to take a look at, um, to honestly, not just kind of like in passing, but to honestly take a look at how we're loving our brothers and sisters. Uh, and if that's the, that is how we know if we are in relationship with God, then we have, we, we must consider this. It's something we must really think about. Then um, another thing I want to say is that um, in verse seven he says that this is the the this old command is the message you have heard. Um, don't be confused by the two words; they're actually kind of one and the same. But the one difference that I 
uh, I found in the two words is that one is the message that you have heard. And what is the message they've heard at this point is that Jesus, uh, that God sent Jesus to die on their behalf so that he would pay the debt that we had, the debt of love that we had towards God, which is why, which is something that separated us from God. And now God has extended love towards us through Jesus' death, made a way to reconnect back to God. So in, the, in, in short, the message that they have heard is that God loves them. And it is possible to have a relationship with God again, which was impossible in the past. It is possible, and not through what you, they do, like following the law perfectly, but just through accepting that and confessing that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is um, was sent from God, is the Son of God, is God, died for them, and now they can receive God's love directly. So the message is, it is possible to receive God, God's love. And now the command is kind of the other um, side of the coin, coin. Like love is kind of like a two-way street, right? Is giving love and receiving love. And through the message of receiving, the message of Jesus, we receive love from God. And through the commands of Jesus is, is the, God, the way that God tells us to now give love to one another. And love always, love is, this is important because love is, God is about relationships and love is what makes relationship possible. And without love, there's, (laughs) that's a really bad relationship. Um, But in order to have a healthy relationship, you must receive and give love. Without love, there is no healthy or right relationship. It is love that brings us into right relationship with God and with our brothers and sisters. And uh, another point, since we're talking about observations, the other point I want to make in the middle part in verse 8 is um, that because the dark, uh, it says, because uh, I am writing to you a new command, it is, it's truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Uh, we heard from Michael last week about um, how John also refers to, he makes the point that God is light and therefore Jesus is light. And so Jesus is the light that is already shining. This is referring to him and how uh, um, the truth of this command of love is seen in Jesus. And when Jesus is in us, we are in him. Um, then it's also seen in us. Uh, and darkness is passing. I like the contrast between the two. Like what he says about darkness is that it is passing uh, and the light is already shining. It's kind of like, and it's not very evident from this writing, but the point here is that um, light is already shining. Like we, it's it, there is no gradual. 
It's not like it's going to shine. Like Jesus already came. It's already shining. The darkness, though, is passing. So it's, it's more gradual. And I, I know this is probably hard to see from these words because they are both in the, the tense that it's on here. It doesn't show it. But darkness is gradually passing away. But it's also a reminder that darkness has not passed away completely. And that explains actually... Uh, a lot of what we experience and why we don't experience light all the time. Why don't we experience love all the time, even though God is a God of love and Jesus already came and we belong to him and we, you know, he lives in us. Um, why is the world not already all different? Why am I not completely different? Um, there's still darkness, that, but the, the, process, the promise here is that darkness is passing and will pass away completely. So let's get to really talk about just more deeply about the point of the text. Like I said, it's to the point that John is trying to make is, is he really his intention is to help new disciples because these new disciples have not they didn't actually get to meet Jesus, some of them. So how do they discern? They didn't hear the message of Jesus directly from him. They heard it from John and other people, the other disciples like John, right? So how do they discern when someone who claims to know God was truly in connection with a true God? And again, like the, the question is, how do we know, not how do we get something? And that is very important. Like, how do we know when someone has fellowship with God, not how do we get a relationship with God? And that should be comforting because sometimes when we read this or some people read it, it can start to sound um, as if what comes first is fulfilling the command in order to have relationship with God. But that is the wrong order of things. The only reason we can fulfill a command, which is to love, is because love itself has come to dwell in us. And so don't take it in the wrong order and, or read it out of context as to what it is about. It's about knowing. It's about discernment, not about how to get a relationship with God. And so what is, if that is the question, then how do we, what is John's answer here? His answer uh, seems to be it's very clearly that when someone is in relationship with God, they love their brothers and sisters. Why? Because Jesus told them, commanded them, urged them, urged them to love him, to love Jesus, to love God, and to love one another. And the two are inseparable. Uh, he, Jesus made that clear also throughout his message. And John is just repeating what he heard Jesus say to them. You can't love, you can't say you love God or you're in relationship with God who is love and not love others, especially those closer to you. So in chapter one, uh, the chapter just before this, uh, John offered that we know we are in fellowship with God and one another if we live in the light because God is light. So being with God obviously means being in the light. And in chapter two now, he offers that another way we know if, we, if we've come to know God uh, is if we keep his commands, if we obey his word. Um, because now that means that God has made his love in us complete. Why complete? Again, because it's, it's a uh, love that is only received is not complete love. Com receiving love for, uh, from God is only one part of the equation. And now moving to actually giving love, loving others, like Jesus loved us in his example, the way that he defines love 
is, the, is what makes love complete. Uh, he's making these points because uh, in those days, uh, there were opposing views being shared and being different teachings um, that the disciples were hearing. Uh, and uh, the specific point that he's refuting here is that other people were saying that loving others is irrelevant to whether you know God. That you can, because uh, the flesh or what you do in your body is uh, not important, is different, is separate from what your spirit is. You can be in, in a spiritual connection with God that is good and healthy, and it doesn't have to show in how you act or in how you treat people. And what John is clearly saying here is that that's not true. That the true Jesus didn't just speak messages but he lived it and he loved people and he said very clearly that if we loved him, this is what our lives would look like. We would live a life of love towards one another. Um, he mentions here and before, um, and I, actually in other places in the Bible, you'll, you'll hear that um, the concept of truth, what is truth, and how do you know that something is true? And in those days, they talked a lot about um, witnesses and how you know something is true is if two or more witnesses um, witness the same thing just corroborate the same thing. So just having one witness say something doesn't make something true. And that is easy to see in like a, in terms of people witnessing in a court of law, for example. Yeah, she did this, or no, they didn't do this. You have a he, she, he said, she said kind of situation, right? And so you can't really arrive at the truth that way. But having two witnesses makes at least two witnesses. You have something true. Because some, when somebody, when two people agree, now you've, you have a, a base to stand on. So... The, it's the same here. It's the same concept that John is using here to define what is true. And when he says things like, when is somebody a liar? He calls people a liar. And the, or that the truth is not in that person. What is he talking about? How, do, how does he... Why is he talking about truth and, and people lying? Is because you, the witnesses he's talking about is what a person says and what a person does. So those are our two witnesses here. He's, he's trying to make the connection. That's why he, he's allowed to call it about truth. You know it's true because what you say agrees with what you do. And which is the opposite of what the other people are saying, right? Like what you, what you say doesn't really have to match your actions, um, which we kind of know deep inside that it's, it doesn't feel true. So this is common sense to them in this, and, and to us it's common sense too. It feels wrong when somebody says something yet acts in a different way. Um, and it's also God's standard. In, in, in scripture, we read about how God tells people things. He tells people who he is. He tells people what he's going to do. Uh, he tells them that he loves them. But then he also does it. He shows it in a practical way. Whether it takes long for that to come true is a different story. For it to feel true to the person uh, is a different story, but God does uh, what he says he's going to do. He says he loves us, so he does things to show that. 
And in Jesus, we see that, we see God be loved in the most clear and extreme way. And so if we, if coming into a relationship with God means that we are going to become more like God, then doesn't it follow that we, what we say and what we do must also agree? So what about, at this point, Probably you're thinking, well, but I don't love like Jesus all the time. So what does that mean? For one, I want you to just breathe and accept that you're human. <laughs> That's the first thing it means, really. It means that you're human. It means that you're not God. It means that we're flawed. It means that what the scriptures say about who, what our human condition is is true in us still whether we have a relationship with God or we, you know, when we feel really close to God when we don't, we're still in our human condition because the darkness is still here, is passing away, but it's not fully all gone and so we can't we just, it's impossible to love perfectly or to love the way Jesus loved, um, it is imperfect, and that's um, that's the point of what sin is. That is, we've always described sin as missing the mark. It is. It means that we will always miss the mark. Um, that's that is not what John is saying here. Is that uh, perfection is what's expected? Is oh, that perfection is the mark? of having a relationship with God because he knows that that's impossible. In fact, if you, if you go back to last week's message, at the end of the passage, um, he reminded the church that if, like, don't sin, but if you sin, <laughs> then we know that Jesus is faithful to forgive us when we confess our sins. So it's not about perfection, it's about what we do when we, do we recognize that we sin and what we do with that. Do we come back to our, does it bring us back to our need for Jesus? And our, why do we need Jesus? Because we need forgiveness. We need Jesus' sacrifice to make us uh, clean again, to, to bring us back into the relationship with God, to recognize that relationship with God is not something we can get for ourselves. We cut off, we cut ourselves off a long time ago from God, and that only through Jesus we have access to that relationship with God again. The second point that you should think about if you if you ask that question is that we're not the source of love, right? It's very clear that God is the source of love. So then if we lack love towards another person, then we probably don't have it within us to give. So the second thing we should think about is that we need to receive it again. It's, um, it's impossible to love without God. And if, we are, if, if, if we're finding it hard to love, especially um, people who are close, it's, it's more evident. I like that he didn't make it like love everyone, love the world, and that actually he made it about loving brothers and sisters. Like, that's us, guys. Like, us being part of our microchurches and sitting here every Sunday or going and doing things together. Uh, that you are my brothers and sisters. You are brothers and sisters to each other. So how, the, the test is how are you loving one another? 
are you finding it hard to love? And at the end, I'm going to talk about what the standard of love is, because we may have different ideas of what is love or what love looks like. But in the end, God is the one who sets the standard for what love is or what it looks like. Uh, but if you are having a hard time, then it just I want to just encourage you to go back to God and ask you and ask him what is lacking in your heart. Why is this a place where you're finding it hard to love someone? And then the third thing is that if you're asking, I don't, what does it mean that I don't love like Jesus? Like, look at me, I am not, this is, it's a good sign. <laughs> this is good news. If any of you are actually saying like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble, like, I don't love like this. It's like, actually, it's very good. It's a good sign that you're aware of the fact that you don't love like Jesus. It would be a bigger problem if you thought that you love everyone so perfectly. So it's just about honesty, really. <laughs> and this is the beginning, right? Acceptance is the beginning of healing. <laughs> Getting rid of any problem, you gotta be honest. So, yeah, just, again, we're not saying that you should never sin or that, what is, this, what is the implication of that? The fact that sometimes like, we all sin, often. Does it mean that we don't have then a connection with God? No, it means that we can be, like what Michael said last week, in a place of in light, walking in the light or walking in the darkness. We can be in connection with God or non-connection with God. Connection with God is something that, yes, it's established at one point, but it's something that is also maintained. It's a relationship. So you don't just say, oh yeah, I am friends with Alina, and then I just never see her, never talk to her, never know how she's doing, um, never get her a gift, like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't just say you're friends and not really be a friend. It's the same way with God. You can't say, yes, I know God, and I know his love, and uh, I am in connection with God, but never maintain a relationship with him. And we know that relationship gets kind of difficult whenever you are actually getting, um, when your goal is to get into uh, as close as you can in a healthy way, get to a new other, another person, it gets messy, it gets hard. You get to know someone and some things just rub you off the wrong way or um, you sinned or they sinned. <laughs> they lacked love at one point and so did you. And then it, you like, what do you do? You have a choice as to whether this is where like we cut it off or this is as far as we go or we work it out and we keep trying to get closer to one another and be brothers and sisters. Um, it's the same thing with God. Sometimes in our walk with God, in our life with God, and we being in a relationship with God is like awesome, and we feel God's love every day, and sometimes we just don't know if he's there at all, if he's listening to us, if he cares. And uh, sometimes then other people do things to us and we think that is God and all kinds of things happen. And if these things are not worked out, it, en it ends up actually cutting us off from relationship with God. So connection with God, what he's talking about is not a one-time thing. It's a, 
like ongoing thing. And in every moment of life, it's you can experience. What he's saying is you can, in a moment, you can tell if you're in connection with God uh, or not based if you look at how you're loving your brothers and sisters. If you've experienced this, like I did this week, it was a very practical lesson. Um, you, you know, and you know, like I had a choice in those moments and like I totally felt what it feels like to be in darkness. You're blinded, like he says at the end, Dave, you don't know where you're going because the darkness is blinding you. Um, and it takes God to shine light. Light is also, we're not the source of light. God is. So unless he shines his light, you cannot know that you're in darkness. You can't know that you're in darkness or you're in light unless you see the light and light comes from God. So it's up to him to show it. And so when I was in a moment this week when I had like chosen to walk away from him, like not, you know, this is it, God, I don't care what you say about this. This is how I feel. And this is what I think is happening. I had a choice to cut myself off or to not and even reject the light. You can reject the light. You can, even if you see it, you can say no. And it's a choice whether we want to be in relationship with God or not. It's the same thing with one another. We have a choice as to whether, whether we want to be in relationship with one another or what kind of relationship we want to be in. Do we want to be in superficial relationships where we just get along and we come on Sundays and we just say hi and we're polite and like that's an that's kind of like a that's probably the easiest kind of relationship to have even though it is even that is hard sometimes but this is why we insist at jubilee we insist in micro churches is because we it can be very easy when a group of 50 people to just get along and seem like we're we're living in unity we're brothers and sisters we love one another but getting a microchurch and actually like get together and talk about what God says in his word, what is he saying to you, how to apply to your life, get to know someone who you wouldn't be friends with if it wasn't because you seem to have the same passion to serve the same people in the same city. And then the magic happens and things start going wrong and messy and it's hard and she said this or he said this and I don't know what that means but I feel like it means this or they did this it must mean that and you know what it's like and it has it just this encouragement is for for these things to be worked out that these things are actually though they're they are hard because it's painful and nobody wants to feel pain they're worth it this is what life is made of this is what true life is actually about is about love because at the end, guys, nothing else will be standing. There's nothing else that will um, last. Nothing else will last. We've seen it, actually. It's interesting going through these things and wondering what God is saying and what life is about when, when things all over the world are telling us that your house is not going to be here forever. Um, people are, <laughs> you know, nature's doing crazy things these days, and like some things that we read in scripture are actually taking literal meaning now these days. Uh, so what are you building your house on? Are you building your house, meaning your life, on love or on material things? Or is your life, have you made your life about relationships or have you made your life about your career or the things you can get? It's, it's something worth thinking about.
So let's get to application. So the way you know, the way to know if you, and let's start with us, because that was clear also, is um, through the me these messages from John, from this, this scripture. Uh, we start with us, right? We, we, we point our, like our, our um, reflections start with us, because God is most concerned about each heart. But it's also, um, John did write this for the church to, to think about other people outside the church, right? So it is important to also think about this uh, in terms of others. How do you know if others outside, in here or outside of Jubilee, are um, anyone you listen to? Are they in individuals or groups? Are they in right relationship with God? And the way to know is to look at re your relationship and these people's relationships um, to those close to them, those close to us, and how well you're loving. Again, definition of right relationship being healthy giving and receiving of love. And um, just an aside, as a reminder, God is always giving. So in our context, I thought about interesting things that John didn't mention in order to know when somebody is really uh, coming from God, speaking of a relationship with God, is that he, wasn't say, he didn't say, Look at whether you are gifted, and that's how you'll know if you are in relationship with God. He didn't say, can you teach? Good. You're, you must have a relationship with God. Can you, can you prophesy? Can you heal? He didn't mention any of those as the marks of a disciple or as, a, as a, the mark of someone who knows God or who, who has received or loves God. He didn't say, are you prospering? Are you healthy? Are you wealthy? Are you pain-free? Your life is well-ordered, you are whole, your finances are in order, your family is in order. Um, you know, not, none of those seem to be important to John. Are you well-liked? Do people like you a lot? You speak well. Are you clear when you talk? He didn't mention those. He said, how well do you love people? As a general statement, but in each moment, too. In this moment, today, how well did you love your brother and sister, your husband or wife, your child? He didn't say things like, well, you can tell if you love God by how much you read the Bible, how much time you spend praying, or if you can perform miracles, or if, if how much you serve, or how much money you give. He didn't mention any of those. And I think those are worth mentioning for us first, but for those outside of here too. If you want to know if what, if what you experience or what you call a relationship with God is true relationship with God, that's a good question to ask. And we should ask that question. And maybe we need to ask some of our friends that question whether they already say they, they are Christian or not, then you need to, the, actually the answer to that is another question and is are you loving your brothers and sister like, sisters like God loves you? But then it takes us to another question, which is how does God love you?
before we get to how God loves us, I uh, just want to encourage you to not be afraid to ask this question or to answer to try and actually wrestle with the answer to these questions. Don't be afraid that it, you think it means you don't know God at all or you've never had a relationship with God. This was all, you're a fraud. You've been saying you're a Christian, but I look at you. This is not what John is doing, okay? God is faithful. Jesus is so faithful to forgive us when we confess our sin. And all he requires is that we be honest with ourselves and that we tell him what is really true. So it's about, it's, a, it's, it's just all about the state, your, the current state of your connection with God at any given moment. It's about how long it takes you to come back to Him. So what exactly is God's, God's love for me, for you, for all of us like? God has shown that love, has shown who he is before Jesus and through Jesus, after Jesus. He shows his love in scripture and in our daily experience of life with him, in our history with him, and both individually and collectively. So I want to examine this idea, this question of what is God's love? like and um, because this is the standard that we're called to measure ourselves against right if he says love each other like God loves us then how does that and there are I mean the entire Bible is about God's love so really it's not like I can just pick one verse to tell you this is how God loves you it's just going to be a one sentence answer it's not um, it actually takes a whole your entire life is going to be discovering what life lo- God loves you like what is love like and it's worked out in each moment um, but I personally like this scripture so I'll just read it Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails, but we're, we'll just leave it there. Love never fails. God is love, therefore God is like this. This is what he loves us like. If we haven't experienced it, it doesn't mean it's not true. It just means we haven't known love yet the way God defines love. So do we love that way? And this is not, again, about absolutes. Like, am I patient, kind? Do I never envy? It's not, it's like in each moment, in this interaction with this person, am I being patient? Am I being kind? Am I persevering when I just want to give up and run away? Do, um, Do I keep a record of wrongs? Am I protecting them? Am I trusting them? 
Am I hoping for the best? Or am I being proud? It's hard, right? It's interesting to think about love and, and how, you, how do you know that something is love, whether you're the one on the receiving end or you're the one on the giving end. When you give love, how do you know that what you give is love? Or when you receive, how do you know that what you're receiving is love? It's counterintuitive to us because we like to think that love, you know is love when it feels good. It feels fussy and cozy and like, oh, that's so sweet. And sometimes love is that, but sometimes love does not feel good. And we cannot let our feelings define whether something is love or not. Sometimes it is going to feel good to be loved, to receive love. And sometimes it's not going to feel good. Sometimes the best thing somebody can do for me is tell me that I'm not looking at reality the right way, that I'm not seeing reality, just turn the light on and tell me what is really happening and how I've been hard to live with. And, and that is, doesn't necessarily feel good in the moment, but I know it's love. Because why? Because it brings me closer to the person. This is how you know it's love. Is if it's bringing you closer to God, bringing closer to the other person. If it's driving you away from God, if it's driving a wedge between you and God, or you or the other person, you can be sure it's not love. Sometimes it feels good to love people. It feels good to give someone a gift, and it feels good to sing a song to someone and have you know celebrate a happy birthday and. Sometimes it's really hard to be the one telling the truth to someone or having to say no because it's actually what's best for them whether they know it or not and it's hard to say no when they're going to misunderstand you and they're going to probably not react well to how you feel you, God would love them right now. But does it mean we should not love just because it's not going to well be well received or that we should not accept love as as what it is just because it doesn't feel right um maybe it's time that we answer the question for the first time ever or for the hundredth time how does god love you how does god love us for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God showed the best and most clear way he's ever shown his love for anyone is in Jesus. He loved us even when we were his enemies, the Bible says, meaning that when we were cut off from him and we rebelled against him and we said, no, you're not love, I'm not going to trust you, he died for us. Uh, the worship team can come up here. And if we want to love like Jesus, we must be willing to love that way. We must be willing to love when others are not our friends yet. when we're not receiving anything from that other person who we're called to love. That's the hardest part of loving, like, love, 
God loves for me is loving when there is nothing in return. Because I'm a human being and I need to be loved too. <laughs> so what about just, well, I can't just give and empty myself up and then um, be completely empty. And that's the fear. But God promises that he is love and he'll always be with us, right? That's what he, over and over, all over scripture, um, you guys can go ahead. Uh, all over scripture, God has made it very clear that the, the most, the craziest thing about God that I find in scripture is that he is a God of covenant, meaning more than a promise, more than a contract, <laughs> he is a God of covenant, that he says he's going to love us, that he'll always love us, that he'll always work for our good, and he does it, even when I don't what he asks for, return, for in return is love, and I don't give it to him. When I don't love him, he still loves me. I have found out this week that I am unable to love like that. It's really, really, really hard for me to love when I don't feel like the other person loves me. And I could be blinded and just like not know what I'm talking about. They actually love me. I just don't see it, right? And that's part of the equation. But even when it is true and they're not being loving in this moment. So how do we, how can we love like that? We have been loved like that, guys. We are loved by God every moment. When we don't love him, when we actually call him a liar, when we blame him for all our problems, for why life is not going right, for why our dreams are not happening, for what, what we need is not coming through. And he is patient with us and he's kind and he's not self-seeking. He's not doing something to us just to get gain for himself. And the only way we can love like him is if we continue to receive from him. It's not a one-time thing. Love is not a one-time thing. Accepting the sacrifice of Jesus and just saying what is actually true that he is God and he loved us and this is how God showed his love for us and that we need his sacrifice for us is only the beginning of a relationship with God it's not the end it's only the beginning we get to spend the rest of our days discovering and enjoying what it means to be loved by love itself perfect love who is actually our father. It's not just any relationship. It's our father. And the best way to think of God's love for us individually and collectively is to remember Jesus' sacrifice. That's why we practice communion with our, with our brothers and sisters as we will now. And I just want to, before you come up here to take communion, I want you to take a moment and try to think through what do you know love like? There's got to be moments in your life that you have felt loved. 
And even better if you've actually felt loved by God himself directly. But if you haven't yet, that's okay. Because even though it felt like you were loved by your mother perfectly, or like the person, if you think of the person who's loved you most or best in your life, that love, that is actually just a faint reflection of God's love for you. And if you can think of moments in your life or, or relationships in which you have felt loved the best, I just want to encourage you to, to, to think about that and remember what that felt like, what, was, what you would describe that love like. And if you can bring yourself to thank God for that and acknowledge that a love comes from only one source. Thank you for listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jvlmontreal.org.